If you have kids or grandkids, nieces or nephews, I want you to think back to when they were young, around preschool to, well, early elementary school age. I want you to remember how they saw you, how they interacted with you. Believe it or not, there was at one time in my kids' young lives when they thought I was smart. There was a time when they thought I actually knew something. They actually believed that I had a handle on, had a handle on life. They thought I did not worry because I knew what to do in any given situation. And the thing is, I remember thinking that about my own parents. I did not have to worry because they had mastered life. That is what I thought. And it was a fantastic feeling. Now I know, not, I know that not everyone has an easy childhood. There is privilege in my upbringing. However, although so many kids in our world live under different circumstances, in different cultures and across socioeconomic lines, many people, many kids, still see their parents or caregivers as heroes. And thank God for that. But then, something really interesting begins to happen. At some point, kids begin to see their parental heroes as people who don't know, who don't have it all put together, and who are not as confident or as in control as they initially thought. Kids begin to see their parents' mistakes and their uncertainties. And when kids see their parents fail or do something wrong, when parents let their kids down, and when kids see their parents cry, like for the first time, well, something fundamentally changes. While your parents still might be heroes to you, they are a very different kind of hero. They're not infallible as you used to think. They're very ordinary. Now, sometimes this does not happen until adulthood, when you look at what your parents did through adult eyes. It is easy to find yourself saying, wow, I never saw that as a kid. I don't like that part of my parents. What happens when your hero does not live up to your expectations? What happens when your illusions break under the reality of life and you see things as they are and you don't like it? From my search, there is a lot of uncertainty about who originated the saying, never meet the people you admire or look up to, you'll be disappointed, or a variation of that. But regardless of who coined the term or the phrase, it really is true. In fact, I challenge you on this. I feel so confident that I can guarantee you that if you begin to look hard enough into the life of your hero, the life of that person that you admire, if you look the, the, the life of the person that you look up to the most, you will find things that you don't like. You will find things that he or she did or said that will make you disappointed, angry, sad, or all of the above. <laughs> so what do you do with your broken heroes? Serious question. Like I said the other week, so often when something breaks in our life, we simply throw it out. Is that the case for your heroes? Do you simply throw them out too? Before we see what our focus text does with this question, I want to explore this a little bit more with all of you, because I think that this is a serious issue that we are all struggling with on some level. So let me frame it just a little bit differently. 
Maybe you don't put your trust in a person because, well, you learn better. However, maybe you do fully place your hope and well-being in an organization or an institution. I don't know, maybe something like a church. <laughs> because the church is supposed to be a certain way, right? It's supposed to function according to your expectations of how a church should function. It should live out its values in support of its mission. But you know the story. Someone will sit alone and feel unwelcome during a service or ministry event. Someone will serve on the council, the board of directors, and determine the church is more interested in money than people's lives and well-being. Spiritual abuse, sexual abuse by a leader, maybe somebody snubbed you as you were socializing over coffee, I don't know. I mean, and soon you begin to say to yourself, well, this church, this church is broken. And maybe it's not even this church, but it's organized religion, it's organized Christianity as a whole, because you can cite all the ways that the organization's power has run amok over the centuries, which has led to death and countless suffering, and how it's still harmful today. So organized religion's out. Well, then maybe you turn to find hope in political or governmental organizations. The government will save us, right? <laughs> No? Well, I won't go there. What about educational institutions and organizations? I don't think anyone has ever had a bad experience in school. <laughs> teachers, for all of my teachers out there, education policy makes complete sense and is well suited to address the current issues of our culture right now, correct? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I mean, what do you do when your institutions are broken? Because they are filled with broken people, how do you find any hope at all? And this is where I think our culture is struggling right now. I know this is where a lot of you are struggling. People are grasping on to anything where they can feel connected, where they can feel that they have a place, a purpose, uh, and, and uh, a place where they can feel what they're doing is right. And people will fight to keep that group intact. But like everything, Inevitably, something will happen and it will break. Where do broken people with broken heroes living with broken institutions turn for hope? How do you move forward? I suppose you could try and throw out the broken, try harder, do better, build different institutions and keep changing where you find inspiration, where you find support, guidance and spiritual direction. You can go from one thing to the next, hoping for something different, something better. You can keep doing the same thing, hoping for a different result. And while that might be one definition of insanity, well, what else are you going to do, right? When Uriah's wife heard that her husband was dead, she grieved for her husband. When the time of mourning was over, David sent someone to bring her to his house. She became his wife and bore him a son. But God was not at all pleased with what David had done and sent Nathan to David. Nathan said to, to him, to David, there were two men in the same city, one rich, the other poor. The rich man had huge flocks of sheep, herds of cattle. The poor man had nothing but one little female lamb, which he had bought, brought and raised. It grew up with him and his children as a member of the family. 
It ate off his plate and drank from his cup and slept on his bed. It was like a daughter to him. One day, a traveler dropped in on the rich man. He was too stingy to take an animal from his own herds or flocks to make a meal for his visitor, so he took the poor man's lamb and prepared a meal to set before his guest. David exploded in anger. As surely as God lives, he said to Nathan, the man who did this ought to be lynched. He must repay for the lamb four times over for his crimes and his stinginess. You are the man, said Nathan. And here's what God, the God of Israel, has to say to you. I made you king over Israel. I freed you from the fist of Saul. I gave you your master's daughter and other wives to have and to hold. I gave you both Israel and Judah. And if that hadn't been enough, I'd gladly thrown in much more. So why have you treated the word of God with brazen contempt, doing this great evil? You murdered Uriah the Hittite, then took his wife as your wife. Worse, you killed him with an Amorite sword. And now because you treated God with such contempt and took Uriah the Hittite's wife as your wife, killing and murder will continually plague your family. This is God speaking, remember. I'll make trouble for you out of your own family. I'll take your wives from right out in front of you. I'll give them to some neighbor and he'll go to bed with them openly. You did your deed in secret. I'm doing mine with the whole country watching. Then David confessed to Nathan, I've sinned against God. Israel wanted a king so badly, but not just a king, a good king one who would not abuse his power, one who would lead the people in a way that God had instructed. King Saul was the first to take on this role, and he could not live up to the expectation. I don't know what his diagnosis would be today, but he was not well in his mind. So a new king was chosen, a different kind of king. This king came from humble origins. It was in the fields that he learned to care for, serve, and protect his flock a servant leader. He was a person of unshakable faith. He walked, into, he walked in the way of God, so to speak, so much so that as the story goes, he went out armed only with a sling and a couple of rocks to take on a battle-hardened Goliath of a man and defeated him. And he was also a musician, so well, tack that on to his resume. In short, he was perfect. He was the hero by which Israel would be a blessing to the world, where God's kingdom would flourish. <laughs> but what happens? He has an affair with a married woman, and then using his power, conspires to kill that woman's husband. That is what prompts Nathan's visit to David in our focus text. Our focus text is one of my favorites because it's clever. David gets so upset after hearing Nathan's story and wants to kill such a person for acting so shamefully, and, and the person is him. Yeah, I mean, it's a beautiful, clever piece of writing, but does it answer the question of what to do with our broken heroes? The biblical story is a story about broken people. It's a story about people turning towards God and then turning away. But that is not the surprising part. What 
is a surprise is that the biblical story at its core is about God chasing those who have walked away. It's a story about brokenness being met with second chances, forgiveness, grace, and mercy because what else do you do when that which you love and care for is broken? This is the life and message of Jesus. For me, the value and true gift of our faith story is that it just acknowledges and names our brokenness. This is something that we will live with during the course of our lives. And, and yet, how much time and energy do you spend trying to create the illusion that this is not the case? When I acknowledge the brokenness in me, I am much more tolerant and compassionate and understanding of the brokenness in you, in strangers I meet, in the institutions I am a part of. So much violence and discrimination come forth in our world because one group of people sees brokenness in others and not themselves. I mean, this is a huge problem. We will spend our lives trying our best, trying to do right, trying to build institutions that are just and functional, and we should never stop doing that. However, at the same time, we should not be surprised when these things break. Like one of my seminary professors once said, never be surprised by what the human is capable of doing. Because in the end, when all is said and done, when our institutions have failed us, when our family and friends have failed us, when we have failed us ourselves, only then can we understand that it is by God's grace, love, and mercy that we are made whole and accepted despite our brokenness. So what do we do? with our broken heroes and our broken institutions. Well, we acknowledge the brokenness. We own the consequences of that brokenness and work towards healing. However, it is by God's grace alone that we can move forward. In all of the brokenness that surrounds you, may you come to terms with God's love, grace, and mercy in your life so that you may move forward and live with hope and gratitude. I mean, this is the good news that we hear today Thanks be to God for that. Amen. As a way of taking our focus text deeper into your life, here are a couple of reflection questions for you to ponder either on your own or with a partner. Question number one, who are your top three heroes in life? And what organizations or institutions do you value and need the most? And the second reflection question is this. What do you do when your heroes and or institutions fail to live up to your expectations? What do you do when you realize that they are broken? Mm -hmm.